what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Exchange, a monthly conversation about startups and small business with ideas, tools, and advice to operate your business more effectively. On today's show, we're going to talk a little bit about the state of entrepreneurship. Which state is it in? Which city is it in? We'll, we'll give you some uh, ideas on that. Our main topic today, business loans, do's and don'ts. We're going to discuss how a prospective borrower needs to prepare to have the best chance to get a business loan with Dan Collinson with uh, BB&T Bank. Finally, we'll wind up with our Small Business of the Month feature, where we'll highlight some businesses that you should be checking out. Greetings. My name is Jeff Newville. I'm your co-host and director of the Small Business Center at Catawba Valley Community College in Hickory, North Carolina. I'm joined by my co-host, Gary Muller, who is dean of the School of Business, Industry, and Technology at Catawba Valley Community College. Gary, greetings. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. This has been about as exciting a month as we can have. It's the end of January. What, what do you mean by that? We had snow. We had snow. Which meant we lost a few days of school, which always makes it a little up and down for us the next few weeks. The Panthers are the Panthers. And Panthers. So we're uh, really well, excited about that. The Panthers are going to the Super Bowl. Yep. And then SkillsUSA is kicking off for the spring. Mm-hmm. So I'm just as excited as I could be. Oh, well, yeah, just try to, you want me to, to turn it down there, you know, okay, you know sit, stay down. seated if you would, you know, so, so, you, you know, for our listeners who might be in the Northeast, you know, we're, we're in North Carolina here. So, you know, we got a lot of snow for North Carolina. We've got, I would say four inches, five, six, six inches. Seven, depending where you were. Yeah, we, we, we did not get a blizzard, but, you know, when you're in North Carolina, you get snow. It is pretty traumatic. Yeah, we only have one snowplow for the whole state, so that's what makes it a little bit difficult. Well, you know, we, we might do a little bit better than that, but, you know, if you, if you don't have your milk and your bread and your beer, you, you could be in trouble. So, Absolutely. So anyway, uh, I was we, we always talk a little bit about an article that uh, we come across when we get started. And uh, I came across an article that was written by Jillian Tett with the Financial Times when she was talking about uh, there are these, uh, I guess, I guess, uh, generalization that when people think about entrepreneurship, they, they what automatically comes to mind is Steve Jobs and Silicon Valley and, you know, young people in hoodies and whatnot that are, are creating the next great software or app. But uh, in her article, it actually was from last month. She, uh, uh, you know, pops that bubble a little bit and said that actually people ages 45 to 54 now own 32 percent of small business and people from 20 to 34 own just 16 percent of startups, which is down from 28 percent in 1997, which I thought was interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. So, I, you know, and, and she goes on to say, you know, what might be driving some of this? Uh, economic insecurity is probably pushing some middle-aged workers into entrepreneurship out of necessity. We do talk about that. That makes some sense. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense, actually. And also she talks about the fact that uh, some of the younger crowd might be dealing with significant college debt, student debt, which uh, they, it might be safer for them to take a regular get a paycheck. regular job that they to, get a check every week. Yeah. So, so you know, I guess the good news out there is if you're thinking about starting a business, it's not like you have to be 21 wearing a hoodie and you know, be a super computer whiz. There are opportunities for, for people even our age, Gary. Well, that makes me feel much better. And the fact that I don't think I've ever worn a hoodie, would that would be... Uh, 
something that would hold me back. Oh, <laughs> well, you know, and Christmas just passed, and I, I, I could get you a you hoodie. Could have got me a hoodie. You know, so that's that, that's coming. Now, also, uh, she writes about locations of where uh, urban entrepreneurship is occurring, and again. People probably think that uh, Silicon Valley is uh, is the top place, and and it's up there. She said San Francisco uh, is in the top uh, four, but actually the biggest hotbed of urban entrepreneurship is now New York City, in terms of the small companies per capita, followed by Boston and Providence, Rhode Island. That's interesting because the cost of doing business in those areas, and even though you're a small business, I could see that that would. Uh, could hold some folks back. But I guess there are also lots more opportunities to get out there and uh, come up with a new business concept. Yeah. Well, probably, probably opportunities uh, in urban areas that uh, yeah. might not exist in other areas. And, you know, I, after I read that, I went to, uh, to visit our, our friends at the uh, Kaufman Foundation website. Mm-hmm. And they had something called a metropolitan area data table where they gauge activity and uh, determine where, you know, based on their rankings, where the most entrepreneurial cities are or areas and sort of groupings. And in theirs, you know, I'm, I don't have my glasses on, Gary. This is hard to read. But the Austin, Texas area was number one, and Miami, Fort Lauderdale was number two in terms of entrepreneurial activity. That's interesting. And they ranked, uh, I, I think uh, they ranked 40 different metropolitan areas. areas. And the closest one to us was Charlotte, North Carolina, which was number 25. So, But, you know, in podcast land, you know, us is such a big area, yeah. you know. so We so, are us. So, you know, we are the world. That's right. So, anyway. Interesting. That interesting, interesting reading. So, anyway. Just... Thought we'd start with that. Tonight. I like that. I like that. But now I'm going to introduce our guest. Our guest today is Dan Collison, who works for BB&T Bank here in Western North Carolina. Uh, Dan, Dan is a small business specialist who works really specifically with small businesses, and uh, and I've worked with him a few times with some of our local small businesses around here. So, Dan, welcome to the Entrepreneur Exchange. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Gary, for having me and asking me to attend. I, uh, We're glad you're here. Really been looking forward to this, so thank you. Well, we get that a lot from our guests. You know, it's uh, it's a <laughs> you know, we're really beating them off. Uh, you know, we've got a long get list, so we're we're happy that you were able to join us today. Uh, and uh, tell us a little bit about what you do at BB&T. What, what, uh, what does a small business specialist do? Sure, absolutely. We uh, make a great emphasis on small business at BB&T. Uh, my specific function is to be a commercial banker, lender, expert, consult for small business with uh, a distinct uh, size and revenue. Uh, basically, businesses are measured in revenues, annual revenues, mm-hmm. and my segment would be anywhere from uh, idea, concept, to annual revenues of around $2.5 million. Okay. So, uh, which my favorite part about that is it's, it's so, uh, it's such a high quantity. I get to meet a lot of people, get to see a lot of ideas, see a lot of operations, and uh, and help them grow to the next level, to the next phase that they want to, to get through. So that's the segment that I concentrate in. Well, and, and kudos to BB&T because not all banks, you, you, you really said it from startup inception all the way up to $2.5 million. 
I, you know, in my experience, not all banks always are as interested in working with startup and inception type companies. So kudos to BB&T. Uh, thank you I think very that's much. great. Now, you have to be well-versed in a lot of different uh, parts of business as well as evaluating lots of different business because you're going to be looking at something from making food to some kind of socks or anything else. So you've got to be well-versed in a lot of different industries or business types. Absolutely. That, uh, and, and I think that will always be the case for, for, for any segment, for any, any a lot of sort of financial jobs as far as being able to help the, the sole proprietor retailer of, of, at the farmer's market, per se, who's doing this on the side as far as consulting that to the manufacturer of uh, a large sock line, you know, for, for example. So to be able to, to advise and to understand, and I, and I will be the first to say that uh, I don't know if there is any expert that can handle it all, but there's resources available to figure out, learn, and be uh, that uh, consultant, which I keep referring back to, because that's really what we find that our prospects and clients want is someone to just bounce something off of, you know, to, to see. And confidentially, we can share, uh, you know, advice and, 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 and trends that we know of as far as an institution to, to say that might be a great idea. That might be an idea you, you know, tiptoe in. You know, that might be something, let's put that off until next year sort of thing. So uh, the, the ability to, to spread that around a bunch of industries is, uh, I think, is the, the, uh, the art, maybe not with a little bit of science. Do you have a team that you work with within North Carolina, your folks, that you can draw on? Absolutely. Uh, We have uh, – well, first off, those segments are divided – where uh, you know there's a larger uh, commercial banker than my segment, uh, and uh, and then at the branch level they they sort of help with the smaller segments. We all uh, get together on a weekly basis uh, just to uh, convey and, and have product knowledge. And then uh, each segment on itself, there's a leasing side, there's an insurance side, there's a there's a, uh, a a payroll side. Anything that has to do with the business, we meet regularly to to educate. We don't have to be expert at it, but we just need to know the person that can get the right. information to the client as fast as we can rather than us bumbling about it if we don't know anything about it. <laughs> well, well, tell us a little bit about the, the current state of, of lending to small business. And and, uh, I, and I guess this is my perception that, that uh, when the economy was going through all the challenges back in 2008, 2009, banks – were reined in, reined themselves in, whatever. I mean, I, it always seemed to me that the banks were getting it from both ends and that the uh, 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 politicians were screaming, oh, the banks need to loan more money. But uh, on the other side, uh, people were coming in saying, why'd you make that loan? And, and you need more in reserve. So you were sort of being pulled in different directions. You know, welcome to 2016. Where are we at these days in terms of uh, lending to, to small businesses, new businesses? What's what's the state of the state of lending out there? Absolutely, there's a uh, definitive timestamp on 2008, isn't there? As far as in our lifetime, what happened, what transpired in September of that year, and then mainly for banks, it's what happened after that. You know, of course, that happened to the economy, but what happened to the books of financial institutions from 2010 to 12, maybe even later, and now even just emerging out of it just in these past few years, has been just a, a reconciliation of strategy to, to portfolios, to, to what did financial institutions get too heavy into as far as the, the types of industry, uh, different segments. Um, I would say right now, uh, January 2016, 
uh, uh, banks are aggressive, and we have been aggressive probably for these last maybe, say, three to five years. I could be wrong with that, but I would say rates are uh, drastically low, still very low, uh, despite prime uh, uh, just increasing uh, in these past few months. Um, Banks are competing with each other um, on pricing still. Um, uh, There is a very, uh, uh, I know from BB&T standpoint, we have myself, there's a field of small business specialists all through our footprint that only go after that segment. A lot of financial institutions have pulled away from that segment um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, for whatever reason that they have, but we are pouring resources into that segment, um, very much so from, from, from back office operations to field agents. So uh, it is aggressive. I know that message not, might not be conveyed at some points. It might be you know, hard to do with your financial institution or I can't ever get anything approved. And I think a lot of that might just be uh, just a communication of this is, you know, what the new requirements might be either regulated or from the financial institution standpoint, we just have to have this to move forward just in case there is another recession, a great recession, another crash. Everyone learned from that. So we're trying to go forward from that. Well, it's interesting to hear that you are aggressive out there because that's probably not the thought that everybody has that, of course, you've got to have a good idea. So, I mean, and a good concept and a good financial plan to make it work. I mean, uh, no matter what it is, no matter what part of uh, whether we're in a recession or in a, a boom, you still have to have a good business idea and a good financial plan. And that's that's a great point. It's even in a boom, what's the plan? You know, it's not just you know at, at December thirty first counting your great profitability that year because you're in a boom. It's what's the plan for this contingency, that contingency. What's going to what's going to happen next? I love working with CVCC because Jeff with the Small Business Center gets these from the startup perspective gets these plans together that really it's not just a fantasy land of you know oh we'll have a million dollars in profit year year two. It's uh, it's 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 what are the what are the what are the safeguards of when this happens? You know what if what if utility costs increase? You know, what if business sales decrease? And, and that sort of real-life thinking where you have to plan for the worst but hope for the best. Well, from both of your perspectives and what you're teaching your clients or uh, contacts is you do have to have a good plan. And you don't – no, rose-colored glasses aren't going to help us when we get into business. We really need to know what it, the, the downside is. And if we can make it through the downside, then we're going to be in pretty good shape. That's it. it. It's managing the downside. It's it's mm-hmm. and and and, uh, and and realistically looking at the good side. Right. Um, uh, and uh, um, those are uh, two very important traits to to have is to always be evaluating your business, always be evaluating your process. Well, and and I I I find it uh, you know very exciting that you and I say you I guess BB and T seems to have a real commitment to small business and startups because I. I know in, in some dealings I've had with with the banks, their idea of a startup or, or a small business is someone that's been in business for two years and you know and showing healthy profits and and then come talk to us. We'd be happy to talk to you at that point in time and you know and, and talking with you and doing some work with you. I get the sense that uh, uh, you guys are are willing to look at new businesses, startup businesses. If there's a sound plan that the owner believes in and that your bank believes in, you're you're willing to, to provide that support. The uh, the bottom line it will always be risk. If it is a startup, and everyone should know that that there is a risk to it. You know, this idea hasn't been come up yet. You know, this 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 brand new business hasn't been created yet. You haven't run it yet. So there is just risk in that that we don't know the future. So there there is that aspect of it 
but that doesn't mean a hard no, you know, is what is what basically we try to be at is let's talk about this. Let's figure this out. And how close are you to this? Well, at one point, I think one of my banking friends told me that uh, the banks do expect to get repaid. Are you, you still or is that still important to you, Dan? <laughs> is that important? Yes, yes. A very, another misconception that is not. Uh, if not, we have a few other folks that might come to visit you. <laughs> they're going to show a million dollars in our profits next year. Don't worry. Just trust me. Yes, we are for profit. Uh, uh, that is uh, sometimes misconstrued. <laughs> so, so from a from a business perspective, let's and let's talk specifically from a new business, a startup. Is there a certain time that they should be looking for a loan? And when time, I guess I'm thinking. Uh, before they get started or somewhere down the road? Or, or when should they be talking to you? When, they, when should they be talking to their banker? At any time, even, even at idea uh, creation, you know, as far as just bouncing something off. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we believe we, w- we want to be involved from day one and, 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 and advise because that success will be the bank's success. It, it's a, the idea is a 30-year relationship of a successful business. So the... Uh, uh, granted, you know, as far as financing and lending and that sort of thing, yeah, perfect scenarios. You've already been in two years of, of business and you never had a bad month and, and check out our revenues. Now, ah. we, now we need some funding. Well, we all know that's not going to happen, uh, you know, maybe 1% of the time. So up until that point, how do we, how do we get to that and how can we figure out uh, just different strategies? And that's it. So anytime from – and I've talked to people that are – and some of this is, you know, and Jeff, you've, we've, we've worked together. Sometimes – the idea comes to start this business, but really when you drill down to it, it's simple career burnout. It could be as simple as that. They are so tired of that uh, nine-to-five job or that night shift or whatever it might be. They have a great idea, and they're willing to quit tomorrow to start it. Well, really, it's not the time to do that just yet. And so I would love to get you started and get in that business, but it's not the right time. Your motivation is more to get out of what you're in rather than to start this new endeavor. That's a really good point. So and That's one of the things that you can do, both of you do is not just help somebody make an idea come to life, but sometimes it may not be the right time. Just You said it a few times, or maybe it's not the right idea. And it's better to find out that it's not the right idea before they put a lot of money into it. And I, and I, and I do need to bring that up. Thanks, Gary. Is, is, is I, 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 I think that is a negative thought just to say, nope, that's not a bad idea. But they're not bad ideas, but it just might not work. Right. You know, it, it, that, that, that industry is covered up. You're going to be one of 30 in that two-mile radius. So exactly. it might not work for you. So let's think of something different. So um, that'll be it. And so, so that's the, the case point being made is, is anytime bring up the idea because it might just be just wait you know deal with it for another six months we'll get a, another plan at that point save this amount of money x amount you know work on this with your credit report and then we can go from there sort of thing so so um if if i'm a small uh, if i'm thinking about starting a business or i'm in business and and think that uh, i can expand my business through borrowing money from bb&t or, or a bank you know, you know, generally I help them with a with with a business plan, but I know that from a a banking perspective, there there's this proverbial loan package that's out there where you guys have lots of stuff that that you want or need to look at. Just so people know what they're getting into, can you talk to us a little bit about what what a bank is going to be looking at? What's what's going to be in that loan package, and just so people know what they're getting into? Absolutely. Um, in general, uh, especially for a startup case, is uh, we need to base something on past history. So we, we need to look at your record of, of, of current employment, of, of previous uh, uh, small business ownership, track record as far as that goes, of just 
how how things went. And, and if there are losses, if there are some negatives, that's fine. Let's just go over and kind of get to, to the real truth truth of the matter. If you've never had a business before, uh, it might be good to, to get a track record of current employment, your current income, because that will only supplement the startup, which will make the bank feel better um, mm-hmm. in case there is a bad month that you are still working and drawing a paycheck. Standard application goes beyond that. A personal financial statement is part of that package, which sums up that information. Uh, income verification on top of that. And then where your department helps in is uh, the, the plan. Um, Typically, a financial institution won't just lend on the plan. We have to have some sort of fact and, and, and basis, but we definitely look at the plan. Um, and how the plan is constructed from a conservative standpoint is very important. And I think you do a great job of that, Jeff, like I mentioned, is, is, is it's not all rainbows and butterflies. It's, 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 it's real world. In the months of January to March, this business will slow down. So our sales figures are adjusted accordingly, you know, rather than the, just the straight number every month you know, for the year real-life conservative opinion on projection. So if, if, a, if a financial institution can see that, we get that you get it, and, and that's a good partnership, uh, which is basically what it comes down to. We are investing in your company with no ownership stake at all. All you need to do is pay us back monthly, and we just need to make sure you're in it. You know, you're going to be in this for the long haul, at least for the term of the loan. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you, and you said something that uh, catches my attention. When you say you're in it, uh, I you know, work with some people who either are unable to or unwilling to invest some of their own money, which I always assume, and maybe you can confirm or deny this, that, that sort of look not – you would look at that as a negative in that if the bank is going to put in their money, you know, or we want, we, we, the bank want to make sure we've got your full attention. So what are you putting into this business as well? I mean, is that, is that the way that you look at it? Absolutely. Skin in the game. That's it. That's it, Gary. It's, it's, and we, uh, it's, that's the phrase most often used skin in the game. And we're and and typically we're not asking for, you know, 50%, 80% of your funding. We're just asking for 20, you know, 15, perhaps, uh, we will do 80 to 85% of whatever this, uh, venture might be, whatever this equipment, whatever this, this real estate, w- whatever have you, we will do by far the majority, but let's do this together. And by together, we mean we'll do the majority. And, uh, and interest rates are competitive right now, so we won't even charge you that much as a historical perspective. So it's just, just meet us uh, 15% of the way, 20% of the way, and uh, we'd love to go with you. And then on top of that, your commitment to stick with it and, uh, and to the good times and bad to, uh, to, to help us both. Hi, I'm Alan. I'm Chris. And we're the co-host of Foot Candle Films, a movie review and film discussion show here on TheMesh.TV. Each episode, we talk about some new movies, cover some film news, and have some recommendations. And trust us, we're just as likely to talk about the latest Jim Jarmusch film as we are the newest Transformers installment. Hold on, don't get too crazy. Uh, well, okay, maybe not that bad. But you can find our show and all our episodes on TheMesh.TV. Plus, you can subscribe to get new episodes delivered right to your computer or mobile device. We'll see you in the ticket line. Now I've heard uh, you know different uh, people talk about the the five C's in lending or the seven C's of lending, and so I don't I don't know if we're up to nine C's. I don't know how many C's we have these days. Uh, you know, is that, you know, in in issues such as credit and capacity and collateral and and whatnot, are these things that uh, that you and BB and T are looking at as you evaluate loans? I mean, what, in terms of evaluating something, you know, what 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 are you looking at there? Yes, we uh, as of 2016, we're up to 16 C's. 16 of credit. C's. Yes. Are you yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I 
I don't 16 C. Our podcasts are not that long, Dan, so you're going to have to compress this. No, we, uh, uh, no, the exact same thing. We, we trimmed it down to five. We basically combined uh, credit with character and commitment. Uh, 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 character and commitment could be explained through credit. All credit is is just your uh, ability in the past to honor debt, uh, whether you have, have had to be late, whether you've had to have some sort of uh, judgment or anything put against you in a financial matter. We just need to know, get an explanation, find out what that, and is that a direct relation of your character on owing something? So, yes, that is – we just combine those under credit. There's also capacity, the ability to pay it back, collateral – which is, of course, uh, what is put up uh, on the loan for security. But I'll mention that in one, one second. Overall conditions is another C as far as economic conditions of that industry and of that area. Very important. And then uh, also capital, uh, which is a, right goes to your point, Jeff, as far as how much liquidity, how much cash you have available either to infuse in the project or to have as backup. <coughs> now, collateral, I think just one more uh, touch into that. I, th- I think I can speak for all financial institutions, if not the majority, Banks do not want to seize collateral. It is a money waster, a, 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 a time waster. It is simply just a buy-in of the borrower to know I am all in here. Here's security on this vehicle. Here's security on this equipment to let you know further that I am all in. I only it's had to part of the fi- commitment. Part right, of the you don't commitment. want to be in the real estate business like what happened. In Absolutely. Uh, the last I several so, years. Some banks still are, I think. I, th- I think they are, but that's not what they want to be. In. Exactly. I, it, it is. Uh, uh, I worked down the hall from our uh, uh, special assets group, and he was swamped. Uh, you know, the years after. Um, thankfully, that is all well under control. Uh, BBT yeah. usually had it under control yeah, the whole so time, but spe- special assets aren't a good thing. Yeah, when you have exactly. special assets in a bank, that's not. Yeah, we just we, we don't know what to do with it. We 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 want to get it off our books. So none of that, as far as you know, because the question comes up. Well, I've got this great piece of collateral, Dan. You can take it, um, and uh, let's let's go ahead with this deal. Well, that's fantastic, but that's not really what I'm interested. in. I'm interested in your 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 capacity, your your capital, your your commitment in the sense of time and and, and that sort of thing, and an idea and, and, and business model, that sort of thing. So I did want to just mention that part. That I don't know of many financial institutions are in that game for this, the, the collateral. Right? right, right. So, you know, when somebody comes to you, they've got a, a business plan, they've assembled this loan package with the, uh, the personal financial statement and, and what other forms are out there that uh, uh, you're going to want to look at. Typically, how long should they anticipate it taking for the bank to make a decision? Is this a, a good something they want to go forward with or not? You know, Absolutely. Just- great, great question. Um, I'd say the clock starts when every piece of inf- information has been collected. Uh, so that that process might drag on. And that could be uh, just a communication of, you know, I'm so sorry, I, I didn't realize I was going to need your agings for this request, but mm-hmm. can you get me those too? And that might take, you know, that day or a couple of days, whatever it might be. But usually when income verification, personal financial statement, application, and whatever other information is gathered – Sometimes I know from experience I could be turned around in 24 hours. It basically, if every checkbox is entered and everything is just is just coasted as far as uh, approval standing, it could it could happen quick. I would say more likely it would be maybe two days to five days and maybe longer um, as far as two weeks as far as just any kind of discussion that's needed uh, between client bank and uh, you know just the credit side of the bank just to, it's a very human it's a very real process as far as just getting comfortable with what we're about to get involved with so you know, I watch TV and movies it doesn't seem that way in the movies come on man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, frankly, that sounds pretty quick. I mean, I, yeah, I, I was thinking I, the same thing. You know, I, I sort of assume there's some nameless 
bureaucracy sitting in, you know, uh, you know with lots of smoke Smoking in the room. Smoking cigars. Yeah, and making these decisions. But it uh, sounds like it happens more quickly, you said. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen much cigar smoke uh, going on uh, uh, as in the... In the past few years, at least. Maybe back in the day. Oh, well, I mean, you, well, you guys are based in Winston, aren't you? I mean, it's sort of a tobacco town. Very nice. Good connection. Um, so are there any uh, – you, you talked about uh, conditions, and you mentioned industries and geographic area. Are there, are there – you know, just looking out in the world these days, are there certain industries that, you're, that, that are, are more risky than others? I mean, I, I know – yeah, the the sad truth is, you know, you know, restaurants are certainly a challenge. Uh, you know, there's there's just a higher failure rate out there and that sort of thing. Are there certain industries that that you look at more favorably, or or some that you consider more risky? Sure, sure. Uh, I probably start with some of the uh, businesses that might have become more regulated since uh, numerous factors. Uh, first one I think of maybe a, a convenience store. Um, you know, we have business owners that own multiple convenience stores, and that's that's fine. Uh, but sometimes convenience stores have kind of gotten into this money transmittal business uh, as far as uh, wiring funds mm-hmm. from uh, from the desk and and, tra- and and transferring funds, cashing checks, that sort of thing. That's that is being more regulated by the government for different reasons, uh, um, you know, all the way to Patriot Act, that, that sort of thing. Can't they just focus on things like selling lottery tickets and <laughs> beer and cigarettes? Come on. So that uh, as long as maybe you don't involve yourself in those sort of things, it, it, it's, it's okay. But banks' hands are rather tied when it comes to that sort of, uh, when that, with that sort of business. Yep, you're right. There's always the risk with restaurants, and you can just look around just to see some of your restaurants in your town as far as how long they stay open and that sort of thing. Restaurants that have been open for a long time, seem to do fairly well and they made it past that two to five year period where you know it's not just a uh, um, you know a hot thing they, they actually earn right. it for the long haul uh, a couple uh, uh, night establishments with that bars clubs that sort of thing of course um, I would also say uh, it's, it's possible but in a broader sense uh, commercial real estate versus um, um, uh, uh, commercial and operating and, and, and manufacturing companies. Commercial real estate can still happen as far as, you know, uh, uh, strip malls and renting out uh, facilities and, and, and residential real estate. Um, it is just a little bit harder to get um, than manufacturing and, and operating and in industrial. So uh, did that mean a hard no or anything like that? It just might be a little harder to qualify for. That was learned from the recession. Uh, a lot of people got into to, to rental property and, and might have got burned on both sides, financial institutions and, and borrowers. So that is just looked at a little bit more closely, but we still are involved in real estate uh, um, very much so. So, um, And with anything within, an, uh, uh, as far as industry goes, I mean, we, we look at all sorts. So as long as you're uh, in trucking and in, 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 in manufacturing and in, in, in anything related to that, um, I, th- I think those, those industries are doing well and have been and, and, and held on fairly well during the recession as also. So, so like, you know, Gary's been talking up this idea of a check cashing strip club. Is that something that would fall in the favorable or unfavorable? For my son and teenage yeah, daughter. Yeah, it's, it's for a friend. It's for a friend. It's for a friend. Um, I can give you my card. Your friend can call me, but I can't guarantee you we can. All right, trust me. All right. I'm um, counting on you not going to I'm not sure our city fathers would be so crazy about that either. But anyway, um, you know, as far as just, uh, you know, if if a borrower comes to you and 
and just advice that you would give them to improve their chance of getting a loan uh, and any things they should be doing to, to enhance their chances? Absolutely. Uh, I think one of the easiest things to say is, is get advice. Even our largest clients, our largest prospects, our largest companies, we do note who their counsel is. We do note who do they seek advice from when it is a tough month, when it is a tough quarter in a, in, in a year, that they're, they have a financial advisor, that they have a, a, an attorney that we have a very good opinion of as far as uh, you know, honest opinion, and, and uh, an accountant that they work with mm-hmm. is talk. Talk about your idea confidentially, of course, as far as uh, uh, proprietorship, but, but get ideas and, and talk it out. Uh, I, I would say the worst days that I have is someone that has just quit their job, and has come to the bank and, and says they have the greatest idea in the history of ideas, and uh, all I need is you know a small amount, five grand, ten grand to, to get me started. And uh, okay, you know, well, how are you getting paid right now? And it's and it's done, it's over. There's no way a bank can help you at that point, and it already happened. When it could have been a conversation, a quick phone call to, to any CPA, to any attorney, to to hopefully your banker to say, well, all right, pump the brakes, let's let's talk about this, and let's get this going in three to six months. That sort of thing. Thing. Um, I, I hate when that happens because it's already over. We, we, we can't start uh, uh, um, until you know we get something going as far as income goes. So just talk, talk it out. I would say. So, and I think that's something you've come back to a couple times in terms of that that person who might be burnt out and and maybe has a good idea for starting something. But I think what I hear you saying is, hang with it for a while. You know, and make it more of a transitional thing so that you've. You've got that cushion there to provide some in- income as you get things started. Absolutely, and and that's that's not necessarily for my sake. It's it's more for your sake, for the for the family's sake. For uh, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with this business, so let's just deal with what we got going on. You know, get the household taken care of from month to month until we take off with this great idea, which. As we know, it could take take a while. It could take two years before you show a profit. It could take two years before you draw a paycheck from it, um, which which is very common. I think mm-hmm. any business owner listening mm-hmm. to this would vouch that they've been in business 15 years and they still go without paychecks sometimes. Well, I think that's, that's really important because it's just talking burnout, whatever it is. People sometimes assume, well, I'm going to start my own business and I'm going to start making a lot of money like the folks with the hoodies and different things like that. When, <laughs> to the contrary, you're probably not going to make – Money for a long time. I know. You haven't even bought the hoodie yet. You know, it could exactly take a while right. before we get you in a hoodie. You can afford that $40, $30 hoodie. <laughs> that, that's absolutely right. So, Dan, any, you know, as far, as far as things that potential borrowers should not be doing, the don'ts, you know, it sounds like number one is don't, don't give up the day job or don't give up some source of income. Any other any other advice for them in terms of things they, they need to be careful about not doing? Sure. Um, I would uh, – um, I don't know. I guess I don't know if this would be a not, but get personal finances in a place that are very strong and controllable. And I don't mean you have to have a million dollars in the bank. I mean – have a little savings stashed to the side for this new venture that might you know you'll need to get into. Have your credit looked at. Go go online and and, and, and get your credit looked at and, and find dispute anything that's wrong. Get it to the optimum level that it can be because credit will be based on what you have done personally in the past you know two years seven years to go forward with the, with any venture. So make sure it's accurate. You know, go on, and every American is entitled to look at their credit report once a year to to verify, to dispute, that sort of thing. So just get it in line. 
it's not necessarily anything you have to pay for. Uh, you get it for free. So check out whatever mm-hmm. um, um, reporting agencies. There's always a link that says, no thanks, I don't need to pay anything or see my score. Just take me to my credit report. And you're allowed to look at it and go from there. And then get that in line. Get your, get your personal finances in line. So if you've got a ton of credit card debt all maxed out, Probably not the best time to go out on a new venture uh, that's risky. Get those, you know, paid down to half. Get those paid down to all the way, so you even have the ability to use them for the new venture. That sort of thing. So mm-hmm. maybe get a sound level footing before you before you step off into the new venture. Good advice. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I would also throw out there an, uh, another assumption, which maybe you can confirm. With all the information that uh, banks look at, I assume. If if there are credit, if there have been historically, if there have been credit issues in your past, they're going to come up, and you're probably better off being forthcoming about them as opposed to ignoring them or misleading, being misleading about them. Is that a safe thing to say? Great point, and, and, and I feel I hate that I didn't mention that. Absolutely, that goes to just being. Find, find your banker. Find somebody that you can have this conversation with. Find somebody that you trust that you can divulge anything that is about you to this person. I know you might have just met them or they might have been a referral to you, but know that they see this 40 times a day and there's nothing that they haven't seen before as far as financial matters. Don't be afraid to disclose anything that might be there because it's been seen before. There's nothing that will shock them. But the fact that they'll find it later and you never mentioned it kind of just leads to that relationship issue of, well, why didn't you just tell me that? You know, I was going to see it And what else don't I know? Exactly. So it's like that point I mentioned earlier, this is very human. This is is a person deciding to invest in you and your idea and your business. So let's just have a good uh, relationship about it. So I I suspect that's the uh, credit slash character C. Sure, sure. It's not the worst thing in the world. It does. We don't think you're lying or, or anything like that. It's just the honesty <laughs> Un- of... Unless you're lying. <laughs> <laughs> that would be bad. If that's the case, that would be bad. Yeah, yes. that's right. <laughs> well, Dan, we very much appreciate you uh, spending some time with us today and sort of giving us... Uh, uh, giving our listeners a good understanding of how banks uh, approach uh, lending to small business. It's, it's uh, kind of a, a breath of fresh air just to hear that... Uh, uh, you know, uh, a pretty significant bank in BB&T is, is putting so much emphasis into small business and startups. So we, we appreciate your work. And, and, and we know BB&T is not the only bank out there doing that. But uh, so, so we appreciate when all banks do that. But uh, it's good to see that the, the pendulum is uh, moving in that direction. So thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Gary. We're excited that you're here with us. Thanks. All right, let's uh, finish up with our our small business of the month, where we uh, Gary and I try to recognize a couple of businesses that we've come across in our in our travels. And, and Gary, what uh, what's your small business this month? Thanks, Jeff. My small business of the month is a great story of two people taking a tragedy and turning it into a triumph. I know I usually talk about food, and that'll be next month. Okay. I learned about this uh, wonderful couple on Shark Tank, and of course, you know it's one of my favorite shows. Mine too. <laughs> Top rated show on Friday nights. I know I have to always say that. But Melissa and Rick Hennett were excited about starting their new family. They were getting ready to have a baby. And unfortunately, they got some news where Melissa was going to have to stay in the hospital for two or three months till the baby was born. And she always wanted to learn how to sew. And that's where she got her passion for sewing and actually making knitted goods from it. Unfortunately, she had a miscarriage and the, the baby didn't make it, unfortunately, passed away. And Rick said, well, we need to learn to use our pain 
to transform us into being better, which I give them a lot of credit for looking at a very difficult situation and uh, turning into a positive, hopefully. So they opened and operated a company called Grace and Lace out of their friend's basement. They employed themselves, friends, and church folks to help them start this business. And out of tragedy, they built a very successful business. Actually, uh, they went on Shark Tank, and Barbara Corcoran uh, picked them, and she's been investing in them. And she invested in them because she loved their story. She could see the story was doing well uh, from a concept. They made knitted socks. Uh, and after the show, within the next year, they were over $2 million in sales. Wow. What a great success story. It's bittersweet, as they say, Grace and Lace. Uh, but they made their mission is to give back to other folks. So they started two orphanages in, in, in India, uh, and they're putting money back into it. They call it uh, Lacey's House, both of them named after their daughter that passed away. And it's really exciting to see people that had a tragedy and they turned it around, and now they're giving back. They're making money, and they're <coughs> giving it to people uh, less fortunate. So very cool story. Oh, cool. Not very good. You know, and there's some similarities in my small business of the month uh, this month. And actually, I'd gotten an email from one of the other small business center directors in our state about a company that she was working with that's going to be on Shark Tank, I believe she said, on February 5th, uh, which I guess is next, next week, week from when next we're taping this. Uh, but uh, it's, a com- it's a small business called R Riveter. And they make canvas and leather handbags and totes out of recycled military materials. And the company was formed by two Army wives in 2013, Cameron Cruz and Lisa Bradley. Their products are handmade in America. They're just canvas and leather handbags and totes. Uh, They're two Army wives who met while living sort of the hectic uh, Army lifestyle where they they first met in Fort Merrill, Georgia. And they founded the company in... uh, uh, Cameron Cruz's attic, uh, and they began making bags out of recycled army tent canvas, surplus uniforms, and surplus blankets with commercial commercial grade sewing machines built during the Korean War. Since then, they've hired more than ten army spouses to make their bags. They drop ship the raw materials whenever they're to wherever they are stationed, allowing them to support their husbands' army ambitions and their own families. And uh, they've conducted a successful Kickstarter. Uh, campaign where they had a goal of $35,000, they raised $42,000, and they used those funds to equip their remote employees, who they call riveters, and each riveter uh, fabricates pieces of the handbags in their home according to the company's specs and then sends the pieces to the home office, which is now in Southern Pines, North Carolina, where they're assembled and shipped. And each bag comes complete with a dog tag and a yellow support the troops ribbon. So... Uh, very cool. Very cool. And they're going to be coming up on Shark Tank. If you want to check them out, have pretty cool-looking bags and a, and a great business concept, you can find them at www.rriveter, I guess for Rosie Riveter, rriveter.com. And you can check out their website, purchase a bag, and give them a look. Well, we appreciate it. As a parent of a, a military uh, person, very excited, a Marine, uh, very proud that they're doing that. Yeah. Good deal. All right. Well, we appreciate uh, everyone listening. We want to give uh, thanks again to Dan Collinson and BB&T for being with us here. Thank you for having me. Uh, we appreciate uh, the Mesh Network and hope that you check out uh, other podcasts from, from the Mesh Network. 
Uh, you can find them at themesh.tv on the website, and you can also subscribe to the many Mesh podcasts through the iTunes store. So check them out. And we'll be checking you guys out again next month. So join us again for the next Entrepreneur Exchange. We hope to be talking some very positive news about our football team no, there you next go. month. Go Panthers. been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.